Hey, Pete the Planner here. Um, listen, I've been working on something for 15 years, and I'm so excited to introduce it to you. It is called Hey Money, and the whole point of it is this. You should not have to pay thousands of dollars a year to talk to a financial expert about your financial life and to get answers to the questions that you so badly need. And that is why we created Hey Money for about 20 bucks a month. We can help you with all aspects of your financial life, short of investment decisions. That's right. I'm just telling you how it is. Don't call us and say, hey, should I invest in this or that? That's not what we do. And let's be honest, those aren't the questions that keep you up at night. We can help you figure out how to get out of debt, to pay for college, how to uh, put together a budget, how to do all sorts of things. If you like this show, which of course you do, that's why you're listening, then get Hey Money. And I've got a special offer code, 10% off radio. Use the offer code radio for 10% off for podcasts and radio listeners only. Go to callheymoney.com. That's callheymoney.com, offer code radio. Good day. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we talk more about the global recession, which has its hands around our throats. Sorry, everybody. It's the truth. And that's what you get here on this show. I'm Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, CEO of Hey Money and Your Money Line. We are professional financial problem solvers, and we've been with you on the radio for well over 10 years now. And by we, I mean me and my buddy, Damian Dunn, VP of Advice at Hey Money and Your Money Line. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Always a good opportunity to say no relation. Totally no relation. Good day to all our listeners who uh, are regular listeners and who've been joining us on our daily live streams on Facebook, which oddly enough, Dame will end this Wednesday, the 15th, um, 30 days of live streams. It seems like in, in theory, it's a good idea. It's like we got to do something. We need people to have a plan. Let me tell you about 30 straight days of broadcasting. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I've appreciated Writing your coattails on this whole broadcasting thing because you know, it hasn't really taken anything other than me just watching it and answering questions every once in a while to benefit from uh, all the hard labor you've put in on that. And then the other day on one of the, the tracks, I messed up the sound. As a professional broadcaster, I messed up the sound. Anyway, Dame, here's what we're focusing on here today. We're focusing on the rebuild, and that's what I've been calling it, and that's what I will call it until it's over. Um, our, our economy is wrecked and will get worse. And so we need to, of course, triage the problems as they arise. But we need people to keep the rebuild in mind and put together a sustainable financial plan and base for their family. Dame, we are not, I told you so sort of fellas. And uh, so we're not going to do that. But I can say in the rebuild, people need to do things differently than they did this time around. There's going to be any number of changes that we're going to notice uh, in our our small uh, small uh, small focused lives, meaning family, immediate family and friends, versus uh, larger lives, maybe coworkers and and businesses, neighborhoods, and then towns and cities and country on top of that. So we got here to to where we're at for for any number of reasons. However, going forward, for us to really uh, get things back to as close as they were uh, th- that we can remember, it, we are going to have to make concerted effort to 
adjust some of the behaviors that we had prior to all this happening. I totally agree. You make a really good point that it's not just about our households, but it's about small town government, big city government, state government, and, and the Fed. Because, you know, you look at Indiana where we broadcast this show and people can get upset about state government. This is just my opinion, what I'm expressing now. And it's not even reflecting your opinion, Damon. You can weigh in on that in a second. The fact that Indiana has a multi-billion dollar surplus puts it at one of the healthiest states in the nation. And I, I'm going to be honest, I'm incredibly thankful. When when you search for things to be thankful and grateful for right now, I'm incredibly grateful that there was fiscal responsibility going on for the last several administrations because, Dame, those billion dollars of surplus really help. It's going to come in very handy over the next you know, 12 to maybe 24 months as the fallout from uh, what we've experienced so far in 2020 really comes to fruition because local governments, uh, as, as you just mentioned, are going to struggle for a little while with, with tax revenue potentially. And those billions and billions of dollars that we've got set aside are going to come in handy. They will be uh, hopefully uh, used wisely. and. Anytime I, I put uh, politicians and whys in the same sentence, it, it, it makes me question what I'm talking about. But I, I've got to have faith that on the state and local level that we're going to have time to figure this out and how to, how to use those dollars most effectively for uh, the benefit of the citizens of the state. I brought it up last week and I can't stop thinking about it. I happen to live in a city just north of Indianapolis that spends so much money and goes so deep into debt. Uh, for the the strangest little things, right? And by strangest little things, I mean the city built its own hotel uh, that's like forty percent over budget. Like how? What happens in ca the Camelot of Carmel, Indiana, when this thing all shakes out? What, what do you think happens? Uh, man, I, I would assume, I would hope that there will be a very hard look taken at how business has been done in the past, and that mean that may mean that there's going to be some. Uh, liquidation of, of some things that are really kind of meaningless and frivolous uh, for for that area. Um, but there's, I don't know, it, part of Cal Carmel is you know, the, the whole vibe and the culture that, that's being developed around there. And they want to maintain that. So they, they've tried to be very proactive on expanding that even. So I, I don't know. They, they may have to uh, let people come and be a part of that rather than the government driving some of that. Yeah, the strange part is, and, and everyone sort of gets this out, is no one knew there would be a global pandemic once it started happening. Of course, you know, there's reports of, you know, we had ideas in November and this. But I'm saying just the city of Carmel, Damien Dunn, Peter Dunn, anyone with any other different last name, no one really knew that this would happen. So when 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 you start to deal with it and you look at the ramifications of your decisions and preparations over time, you know, you kind of let yourself off the hook a little bit. You go, well, I didn't, I didn't know we'd be in a pandemic. However, Dame, you never know what the unknown is. That's the whole point. And, and I, I hate, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I was going to compare this to another horrible day in our nation we, that we never thought possible. But you just never think an emergency is possible. That's the whole point. Otherwise, you would prepare for the emergency yourself. And, and that's where that's where I get concerned about this is I think 
fundamentally, Americans' lives will change financially for a decade, at least. I think the sensibility of the depression will come to us, but in a completely different way. And it's that back in the depression, there was no consumer debt, right? You, you couldn't bail yourself out or, or figure it out later. You were forced to deal with really hard ramifications really fast, kind of like what people are dealing with now. But I think the rebuild here will involve consumer credit being leveraged, people putting themselves in worse situations. I think the access to credit will actually hurt the consumer, whereas in the depression, people just didn't have access to credit. I've wondered about this a little bit over the last couple of weeks on on how uh, personal and family debt is going to look over the next 10 years. Um, not only that, but you know, we've preached emergency funds forever uh, and yeah. we're not we're not the only you know people have done that and people kind of bristle at having you know a month or three months or six months of emergency fund backed up because we haven't had short of a few a few examples uh, haven't had a, a huge time in our lives where we've really needed to have a nice stockpile of cash to fall back upon and i'm wondering how emergency funds are going to be viewed going forward from here Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the weird part about my own personal financial stress. And and I want to actually talk about this a lot in the next segment of how if you think through, everyone's got the sort of same stresses, a, a, a group of the same stresses, the virus, the economy, some people with the market. But then you've got the other ones, employee stress of, do I get to keep my job? Business owner stress of, oh my God, do I have to lay people off? But but ultimately, some of those stresses are lessened with the emergency fund, even if there's really not a good chance you're going to use your emergency fund. It It's really an insurance policy at this point. You know what I mean? Totally. It is a complete insurance policy. If you don't have to use it, fantastic. If you do, you're going to be glad it's there. All right, Dame, coming up after the break, I want to talk about some of those different stresses people are having and it's not to shoot them down or explain them away. It's really just to acknowledge them and, and say it's okay to feel that way. Also, on the show, we're going to talk about the rebuild. What specifically can you do to make this go better as we rebuild our economy? I'm Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, and this is... Back on the Pete the Planner show, it's, what are we calling this? The global economic pandemic? Is that what we're going with? Financial pandemic, right? You what know, is it? Uh, the financial economic pandemic? I don't know. I have not taken the time to research how other countries are dealing with personal financial co- uh, crises amongst their people. You read headlines here and there and links that people send around of like, well, this country's just giving everyone $2,000 a month. And and I'll be honest, Dame, I have not clicked on any of those to know if that's conjecture or if it's true or not. But it, it is weird. Like uh, America is certainly considering what's going on in America because of media, but the entire world is actually dealing with this. Yeah, we are not on an island all by ourselves at this point. Uh, there are companies, or companies, <laughs> countries of every economic um, persuasion trying to figure out how to 
not only save their individual economies, but to you know help their citizens as well. So is, is Denmark doing something different than we are? Although Denmark would say they're they're capitalists with a lot of socialist programs. Uh, is Italy doing something? Uh, Russia, China, what, whatever it may be, there are all sorts of solutions being thrown out there right now. And we're just trying to stay afloat. All right. So this next comment is really not for everybody. <laughs> it, it, it actually, it is for everyone. It's just some people aren't going to care and that's okay. I don't have to tell you what to care about. Dame. So as, as, as you and I and our team and so many others that, that we view good to be colleagues within the industry, but don't work with us directly. We see sort of two groups of people on any day, but especially these days, people that typically don't have control of their financial life, who have lost control, and then people who generally have control. And what I've found over the last few days is that as a person who personally has control of their financial life at most times, that feeling of being out of control, that fish out of water is a stunning different level of stress. Whereas the people who generally don't feel like they're in that much control, they don't have to make that particular adjustment. Yeah. Oh, they're getting beaten up just like everybody else. And it could be getting worse for them, but it's the shock of not being in control to some level, which is, uh, knocking people off balance. Does that make sense? Or does that sound like complete hooey? No, I think so. I I think I had, a version of this, um, I, it's actually repeated itself a couple times, and that was going to the grocery the first few times after everything started happening, where um, stuff you would normally buy wasn't readily available. I experienced food insecurity, however minimal that thing really that experience was for me, because I was inconvenienced. But but that that feeling was still there, that little you know twinge in, in your guts knowing that you couldn't get what you what you had had hoped you were going to be able to get. And then I had to think about families that deal with that all the time. Right. And I mean you you talk about reality setting in on you really quick. Like I I, I always kind of enjoyed going to the grocery and I, I would often think this is an experience that a lot of people around the world will never have just being able to walk into a building filled with food and supplies from from top to bottom that you can afford that you can afford that that you can just go fill your cart walk up to the counter pay for it and walk out and then all of a sudden i can't get a five pound bag of potatoes and i'm frustrated that weird and then you just feel like utter crap because you're mildly inconvenienced for something like that. And hey, dude, I don't need the carbs anyway. You know, it's okay. So I'm I'm facing these things personally, just like I think probably everybody else is. And maybe it changes perspectives uh, and, and how it, we relate to each other. Yeah, I, I think it could. I, 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 I'm going to paraphrase something I saw someone put out and, and I can't actually use the words that they used. <laughs> but it essentially said... You know, uh, welcome to the rest of the world. This is what it feels like to be marginalized on a regular mm-hmm. basis, right? Mm-hmm. And and I agree with that. And you know, I have been also thinking about this over the last few weeks. I don't think people who are wealthy don't want people who are poor to not be wealthy. I got to say that better. Hold on, let me try this again. 
it's not that people who are wealthy don't want the poor to be wealthy. Mm-hmm. It's just they want to stay wealthy. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the poor want the wealthy to be poor. It's just the poor also want to be wealthy. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes what we think divides us is that we we try to, you know, this idea that people try to keep other people down. I don't think that's it. I think it really has more to do with self-interest and they're not even thinking about the other group. And I wonder if this community feeling of being out of control begins to shift that paradigm or not. I don't know. I'm wondering out loud. I hope to write. I, I, I have no idea either. And I'm, I'm wondering what kind of ripples this is just going to have. Does it start there? Does it, you know, move into uh, communities at large? Does it move into government policies at large? Um, how do we prepare ourselves uh, financially, not only as uh, families, but as government in you know entities or countries for situations like this? That, that I mean, unless global travel is going to slow down, which I mean, who knows at this point? Um, there's still a very real chance of something like this happening again. So I don't know. I, I sit and I probably spend too much time wondering what what the next five, ten, twenty. 30 years is going to bring what when my kids are my age what are things going to look like well i saw something the other day and i just keep saying that which is just it's because i sit i sit and read the internet all day dummy yeah we got to talk about that oh my gosh we i saw i did read but it's reading it's i'm reading the wall street journal i'm reading the financial times i'm I'm reading the new york Times. i'm reading nonstop. and it was okay you're a parent of a high school senior right now what what do you even think about you know the the decision you made as a family as to what school your child goes to for college and the, how can you even get your head around well we were comfortable taking on $30,000 of debt for the kid and and then ourselves taking another 50 on top of that how can you even make that decision anymore yeah i mean college is Man, college is its own problem. College has it is. A, a few, a few challenges uh, outside of this that it's going to face in the next few years with an enrollment cliff. Um, it, I, man, I, we talk about the affordability of college and the the debt that people assume to go to get that education, and then we have this, and then we have, as I mentioned just a minute ago, the the enrollment cliff that's coming up. the The face of college could look completely different in five years or ten years versus what it does now. We can't plan for it, obviously. Right now, we have to we have to make our plans based on what we know and what we can experience. But man, if I if my kid was a senior, would I want to send him off to a, a campus with you know thirty thousand kids packed in a relatively small area right now? I'm thinking twice about that. And would you do it at a $50,000 university versus a $10,000 community college? And would you do it knowing that we're going to be at 10% unemployment for the exactly. you know near future? Exactly. Which, uh, yeah. Like, I, it's going to be a really, really small demographic that's going to say, get out of my house and go experience college it's, uh, for that huge dollar amount. It's going to be different. At the very beginning of this whole thing, I thought for some reason, because I'm dumb, that this could shrink the wealth gap. And then about a day and a half later, it occurred to me that this is only going to make the wealth gap problem worse. Um, but And then you talk about the middle, you know, middle America, um, the middle class disappearing. Man, what it takes to be, you know, 
on in that group anymore has changed even more. I, I so articulate here today. <laughs> All right, Dame, coming up after the break. I promised that I was going to tell people what they can do to help them the rebuild. And we are gonna we are starting that when we get back. I promise I'll even be able to talk. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. Back on the Pete the Planner show, you hung around, so you get to hear what I think is the way that each one of us can get deeply involved with the rebuild of our economy when it opens back up. And Dame, the concept revolves around the concept of trapping money in your local economy. Trapping money in your local economy. Can I paint a picture for you? Please. Damien, the city of Indianapolis is one of the largest convention cities in the world. Strange to think about, but it's true. You you don't live in Indy, but you're here all the time. Mm -hmm. That's still shocking, right? I would not have guessed that when you told me that, I don't know, however many months ago. Which which is fantastic. And, And what it means is hundreds of millions of dollars flow into the central Indiana area from people not from central Indiana. So that means they come, they stay in a hotel, they eat at our restaurants, they buy our art, they they enjoy our music, those sorts of things. So that money is injected into our local economy. And, and, and if you're not from Indianapolis, it doesn't matter. Take whatever city you live in and think about how visitors inject money in. And they're they're coming for business, they're coming for pleasure, they're on vacation, staycation, whatever. Dame, if the people who earn that money, the hospitality industry, you know, businesses that benefit from that. If they then take that money and make purchases outside the local economy by buying a grill on Amazon or, you know, buying things online from outside of our economy that you could very easily buy within our economy, probably for a little bit more, you'd have to pay a little bit more of a premium locally, a little less convenience because it's not free shipping. You can't make the purchase in your undies sitting on your couch. But you keep the money local. You trap it. And then that money is taxed by the proper tax entities, uh, which means that the services generated from that tax revenue support the local community. And then the next person you spend it with is able to do that too. So if I go and buy a grill at Sullivan's Hardware on 71st and Keystone, and Pat Sullivan takes the revenue from that sale, the profit, I should say, and he gets his plumbing done by Jack Hope, a Hope Plumbing. And then Jack Hope takes the profit from that and goes to uh, Tease Me uh, Tea Shop, owned by Tamika Catchings. Then Tamika takes that and buys a subscription to the Indie Star. Then the money stays local. But what we tend to do as our economy has evolved, if we've become an online culture, we don't value keeping money local. And some may say, well, you can't always keep money local. I understand that. But if we improve our our vision of this, then we're going to all grow. That is how economies grow without outside influence. When people spend money from the outside into your community, it can grow. Dame, you and I benefit from serving people all over the country. We have money injected into our business from Portland, Oregon, and New York City, and all these different places. But if we then pay our employees locally, they spend locally. Then from a government and municipality standpoint, from a from a business growth standpoint, 
the local economy grows. And that is true for wherever you live. And it's also true at a more macro scale when you say, well, you should buy American. I've never really bought into that whole idea. And I'm just mea culpa. Okay. But I think more intentional consumerism is the solution to rebuilding the economy. I'm curious if that resonates or not. I think it totally resonates. I've I've often had the conflict, the internal conflict, you know, buy American, um, which I'm I'm I was for. I've I've never brushed that off. However, I didn't practice what I I said was a good idea. I, I still looked for the best deal, whether that was at a big box store or online or whatever that may be. Um, but I'm I'm rethinking my approach to consumerism going forward and how benefiting local economies uh, could also intertwine really nicely with um, a sense of minimalism because the the knock on you know buying local was that it's it's usually more expensive than than the national brands or, or anything like that however if you can tie those things together you do uh, with a little less clean up your 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 consumerism a little bit and and have a a cleaner household uh, not cluttered so much with just junk that we're not going to use a month after we buy it anyway um i think we can really change our communities by thinking local first which i think is a slogan for somebody but it's a good slogan now i i really appreciate it think local first if you can keep the money in the community um it's okay to spend a little bit more if you're spending those dollars wisely for your overall philosophy on on spending and and how you're going to live your life so i've i've already talked to cassie about how i intend to start replacing things as they start to wear out. Um, I, I may end up spending more on a few things, clothing in particular, because I want to uh, try and benefit uh, at least American companies. If I can't find an appropriate replacement by a local company, then I will I will try and keep the money domestic if I can um, and try and avoid some of the, the, you know, the, the more bigger box or national brand stuff. It, there, it won't be totally avoidable for sure, because there's just some things that you, you need now and you got to go get. Um, but I don't know. Uh, it's, it's going to be, a it's going to be really interesting. I, I hope people really examine their overall spending plan and spending philosophy as we start to work our way out of this. I always thought the buy local, you know, slogan or the, you know, buy local. I mean, we buy food and, and drink local. I mean, we really do. We don't, eat a lot of chains or get a lot of big beer and wine. Like we, we mm-hmm. try to drink low. Actually, we don't drink local wine. I'm, I'm just being honest. And I, you know, on some level beyond that, it's always seemed like, oh, I got to buy some hippie soap at the farmer's market. Is that what it is to buy local? <laughs> but, but I think, and I'm not an anti Walmart guy. Cause let's just not, let's just put that out there. I'm not, but, but let's think about this for a second. Walmart's value prop is that they buy their goods in such high quantity that they can pass the savings right on to you. Mm-hmm. And they have such low margins, but they sell in such big quantity that they can still be profitable. And then that is how they're able to come into small towns and have the local hardware store close, have the local grocer close, have the local everything close because they bully people around with their ability to buy in quantity. And and, and that's why communities fight 
Walmart coming into their communities. And I've always sort of, I'm look, I, I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. I've always sort of just brushed that off of like, eh, don't worry about it. But it, I think it really matters. I, I think, I think if each community looks out for itself, which is fine, we're going to be good. But if, if, if you don't have a local first mentality, I think your economy is going to struggle to rebuild in the adversity ahead. And I want to be sensitive uh, to folks who and families who may not be able to do this, who that have to shop at absolutely pl- places who are are the the least expensive game in town. That's fine. You got to do what you got to do for your family. However, there are probably a number of people and families that are listening to this right now that this may be a way that you can you know start integrating. Uh, a new philosophy into, into your, your system and show your kids the value of spending locally. I remember going to a hardware when I was a kid, it was fantastic. And the day that hard, that small town hardware closed was really sad. And I got to say, I was part of that, that closure because I spent my money elsewhere a lot of times. Yeah, man. I I think about in central Indiana, there was a a local sporting goods chain called Galleons. Did you ever get to go there when you come down to, I've heard of it, but never went, man. It was the greatest store in the world. I loved, I still have stuff from Galleons and you know, it went the way of the big sporting goods store, which, you know, still does a lot in the community and this, that, Mm -hmm. and the other, Mm -hmm. but the profits are still sent out of state. And then those are spent out of state. So I don't know. I think most of our podcast listeners, oddly enough, can make this choice. I think many of our radio listeners can make this choice. Um, And it's a choice that I plan on making. So coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and more. This is the Pete the Planner Show by Local. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is... All right, Dame, I actually can't tell if this is a waste of money or if this is the future. Hmm. Please tell. Oh, what's that? So please tell. Oh, I will. The O2 Curve Mask 1.2. The O2 Curve provides superior protection with a better seal and more breathability than any other respirator. Only the O2 Curve provides a premium breathing experience without compromising comfort or style. Protects against particulate matter down to 0.1 microns. Medical-grade silicone seal provides superior protection compared to N95 masks. High-quality adjustable straps for simple usability. Ultra-soft silicone ear loops that won't disturb your hairstyle. (laughs) Not a problem for you and me. Adjustable neck strap with magnetic clip. Three-pack of electrostatic filters and one white shell included black, red, uh, and blue are available. Dame, this is $69. Hmm. Nice. Here's the thing about this. Is this what's going to happen? Are we going to have high fashion, high end business guy filters that people just walk around airports in? Cause that's what I'm imagining. So I, I, we did not talk about this ahead of time. Uh, this was unplanned, but I ran a poll on Twitter uh, yesterday oh, on whether not or not people will wear uh, protective masks in public after this is all over. 
Uh, if you had to guess, roughly what percentage of people said that they plan on wearing masks in public after the all clear is given? Can I assume? I, so that's the the way you ask the question. So I can assume you mean in the immediate aftermath of the all clear being given. Uh, the 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 actual question reads: Will you wear a protective mask in public after the quarantine is behind us? Okay. Okay. Ooh, I'm going to answer the question for myself first. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that was um, not an option. It was yes or no. Uh, well, no. I mean, maybe I'm going to answer the question. Oh. Um. I think when I travel, I, I will, I travel a lot. You do. So like getting on an airport, a plane, I take a hundred flights a year. I did take a hundred flights a year. Yeah. I think I do when I, when I air travel now walking around, you know, going to the, I don't, uh, what were the choices? Yes or <laughs> yes no? Yes or no. I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to say that only 35% of people said yes. What what say your what says your poll? Show me your poll. Well, first of all, <clears throat> this is not a st- statistically significant sample size. So Oh, you don't have a thousand Twitter followers? No, I don't. Uh 6.3% said yes, they will. Really? Yeah. No. Now, here what what do you th- you're a sensible person. What do you think? I will be way more open to the concept, especially during flu season. What's the flu matter? I don't want to get my kids bring enough crap home. I don't need to help them out by getting, you know, bringing something home that, that, uh, they may not have been exposed to yet. So I, I will probably, I, I don't try, I don't have a hundred flights a year, Pete. I, my, my chance of exposure is greatly sm- smaller than yours. Yeah. You know, that, that's an interesting point, actually. You live in a really small town. Mm-hmm. Do you even live in a town or you live on the outskirts of town? I technically live just outside of town. So on a on a weekly basis, this is interesting. On a weekly basis, how many people do you think are within 50 yards of you? I mean, of me, me personally? You personally. You can include church. You can include picking up your kids from oh. school or whatever you want to do. Um. Probably between 750 and 1,000. Okay. I've thought about this question recently. I bet, based on my lifestyle, tens of thousands Mm -hmm. every week. And so I will be strapped with a mask. Now, will I have a dollar sign on it? I don't know. You know, I think branded face masks are going to be a thing. Branded swag, hey money face masks. What do you think? Let's do it. You know that's going to happen. Branded totally. face masks are going to happen. Totally. I uh, I actually asked the second question. Do you want do you want to? Uh, oh yeah, what's the follow up? I like this. Uh, Doctor Fauci thinks that shaking hands should become a thing of the past. What are we going to replace it with? The options okay, were options? the options were uh, a slight bow or namaste. Yeah. A head nod with eye contact. Doesn't matter. Still going to shake hands or other. Okay. I just have to say, I'm so used to shaking hands, despite the fact that I'm a germaphobe, just the habit of reaching for someone is going to be a little bit mm-hmm. hard to break. I'm going to go with a smile and nod. What would what, your poll say? Show me your poll again. The number one response was still going to shake hands. 35%. Wow. 
followed closely by head nod with eye contact. Other uh, was third. Uh, what the mo- more popular suggestion was the uh, forearm bash, a la the uh, uh, late '80s, yeah, uh, late '80s athletics uh, bash. Brothers. I don't like that one. Yeah, and uh, fourth place I like was, the, was bow. I like the kid and play foot touch. You know, where you you could sort of twist your feet and you go sure. up and you both touch a foot and then you back off and yeah. you touch the other foot. What are you going to do? I'm just going to stay at home and talk to people through the internet. I will never touch you again. Okay. I'm all right with that. Yeah, this is really interesting. Okay. Let me set a scene for you. You're at a, bi- a finals presentation to win a big block of business. You're in a big boardroom. Dame, you've been there with me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Very, Im- everyone's important, but there's very important people in the room. You walk in. You're trying to win business. There are other people trying to win that business. Someone reaches for your hand, but your personal policy is either the kid and play or the nod and wink. Do you take one for the team and 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 s- touch this person's hand, which they touch? Who knows what? And do you lose the business? What do you do? First, I think there's going to be a lot of corporate policies around this in the future that they'll no, just say, pop- "Hey, we're, we're a non handshake." Uh, company or you know whatever their preferred uh greeting is going forward however if i'm in this situation i probably just carry a bottle of hand sanitizer and then i look like that freak who is ocd about uh who who no longer looks as crazy as they did three months ago right uh after they touch something they get the hand sanitizer out and and wipe themselves down i think the real key is if you're going to do that as you pull out the bottle very quickly out of your pocket and apply the hand sanitizer, you have to maintain eye contact with the person sure. you just shook hands with just to say, don't worry, buddy. It's you, not me. Yeah. Right. Do you but offer, then you could them offer them some. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe you offer them first. It's like serving tea to someone in Japan. You pour them first and then they have to pour you. So then you hand them your hand sanitizer. They're sanitized, but the bottle itself's dirty they serve you, they hand the sanitizer back, which is now still, you just for hours, you just back and spray forth. each other with gel. Yeah. I, we could have branded hand sanitizer too. Oh my gosh. That was a big thing probably 10 years ago at like trade shows and stuff. You know, oh, mm. masks. Yeah. Dame, I, I hate touch pads right now. Like if you go to the store and they're like, I yeah, hate totally. And then, like, you know, you and I go to a lot of corporate offices where you get to sign in on the yep. iPad on the desk. Like, I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to touch door handles. I'm going to carry a hook with me. <laughs> what do you think? Is it a branded hook? It's a branded hook. There you go. It's called themoneyhook.com. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I'm going to buy that real quick. Oh, Dame. We're going to get through this. I don't know what it's going to look like. I've got my mind right. It's today's, uh, we're recording on the 10th of April. This is Planner and I walk last night. I've got this, fi- I, I've got five weeks in my mind until life gets back 15% of its normality. I give it five weeks. It's going to be the best 15% of our lives. <laughs> oh, damn, I can't wait to never touch you again. <laughs> It'll be the best. <laughs> All right, already, everybody. We're already started on it. That's true. We're, we're weeks into that. Mm-hmm. Everyone go to callheymoney.com if you want us to walk through your personal protection plan. 
Oh, my God. Go to callheymoney.com, discount code radio. That's all we have time for. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this was a show.